and she prayed and asked Jesus into her heart committed her life to, to the Lord and uh, God's, God's been working in her for quite some time but she said I want to follow him so anything you want to say just uh, testimony. Yeah, I'm a little nervous um, the first thing I want to say is thank you Miss Ellie for bringing me here Amen Praise God and Ellie brought her to church you know, when we first met Dee, she said, I'm a blank page. I know nothing. She, that's not bad. She wasn't scarred by religion. She knew nothing. So now we have the opportunity to just, just sow the word, be a spiritual mom to her, and be a family, and uh, help her grow in Jesus. So anyway, we want to pray and baptize her. So here you are. So, Dee, let me ask you, is it your desire and commitment this morning to surrender to Jesus, that you believe that He is the Son of God, that He died on the cross, that He rose from the dead, and you're surrendering to Him to live the rest of your life for Him? Yes, sir. Amen. Then upon your profession of faith, we just thank God for what He's been doing in your life. And so now we, we baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So just join me. Yes. Hey, hold on. We want to pray for you. That's awesome. Lord, thank you for D. Lord, we pray the same Spirit of God that came upon Jesus at His baptism, Lord, would come upon the dove, would come upon D. And use her, Lord. Anoint her. Lord, make the devil pay for all the things that he tried to do against Dee and her family. Lord, do something awesome through her life. We declare she belongs to you. Her sins are forgiven. She's a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.
You know, along my journey, there have been many people, and I've shared this with you guys, that have spoken into my life. I've shared about Rodney, and there are many others. Milton Green, I've shared James Robison. There are many, many others. But another man I don't know that I've ever mentioned, his name was Dr. Bill Hammond. Now, those guys know him from down in Alabama. You guys know him. Actually, there was a time in my life when I was just a young preacher. People would come and after the service, and they'd say, you know, you have like a prophetic edge, a prophetic preaching. I didn't even know what that meant. Now, I knew about end-time prophecy. And it wasn't that that they were talking about. They were talking about prophetic preaching. And then I found out, well, there is prophetic preaching. There's prophetic intercession, you know, where you're praying according to heaven. And then there's prophetic worship, where you were. How many of you know you've been in those prophetic? We want more of that, don't we? More prophetic worship. There's the gift of prophecy, the office of the prophet. Anyway, all that stuff. I needed to learn about that because where I went to school, they didn't teach you about that. That stuff had passed away. Is what they said, you know. And so I heard about Dr. Hammond, and we started going down. I started going down to Florida to uh, those conferences. Anybody else go to those conferences? Did you? Yeah, they were pretty. It was awesome. It was down in Fort Walton Beach. You're right off to the right of Fort Walton Beach. But I remember a time when I, I went out by myself, and it probably was down in Mobile. But, uh, no, probably by you the battery because they had the sand down there. But I remember I drew a line in the sand. And I said, God, I don't understand all about the prophetic. I wasn't raised that way. You know that. So anyway, I was just a young guy. I said, I'm going to step across the sand. And by faith, I'm going to step into whatever this prophetic thing is. And so, you know what I did? I stepped across. And guess what happened? I got from one side to the next. I got on the other side of the sand. And I thought, well, that was interesting. Nothing happened. What, what is, I thought stuff was supposed to fall out of heaven. You know, stars would shoot across the earth. Nothing happened. But over the years, I believe a whole lot did happen. And we're growing in it. We're coming. But anyway, I wanted to tell you about Dr. Hammond because he said there are many people that have said things that have stuck in my mind to this day. I mean, you know, even stuff in seminary, there are things I remember people said that I can't get out of my mind. Milton Green, a lot of them, but others. But Dr. Hammond said, he said, every day we, and he's speaking about the world, every day we are either becoming a part and in agreement with the Lord Jesus Christ or we are becoming a part of the Antichrist and in agreement with the Antichrist. And I've never forgotten that. And you know, that's really the way it's going to be at the end of the age. And that's where we're living. You were either going to line up on one side of the other. How I many of you are lining up on his side? Then you're going to be more in him, more in Christ, more in agreement. Now, I don't have to tell you there are a lot of battles that are raging today. How I many of you know? Great battles raging in the spirit, raging on earth. What we saw last week in Texas, I believe, is just an example of the battles that are raging. And um, we got to be ready. We got to be on the front line. How many of you are on the front? You feel like you're on the front line. You know, now I didn't get to hear this guy in person because he lived in the 1850s and 30s. And I wouldn't even, my grandpa, my great grandpa, they were none of them that I even knew even thought about much in those days. I didn't even know who they were. But anyway, uh, Dr. Spurgeon, 
His name was Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Here's what he said. And I, I have a book. I, be, I was looking. Somebody was challenging us this week about these old books. You know, there are many old things we need to be reading. These guys had something that this new generation needs. So anyway, I looked up on my shelf. I thought I was convicted by that. And uh, I said, do I have any of these old books? Lord, I don't want to neglect what these guys, these guys bled and died. I mean, you know, they, they went through all kinds of stuff to write these books. So anyway, Charles Spurgeon, I had Charles Spurgeon's gems. And here's one of his real short little gems. He said, he said, there's not a spider hanging on the king's wall, but hath its errand. There's not a, a needle that groweth in the corner of the churchyard, but hath its purpose. There's not a single insect fluttering in the breeze, but accomplish some divine decree. And I will never have it that God created any man, especially any Christian man or woman, to be a blank and to be a nothing. He made you for an end. Find out what your end is. Find out your niche and fill it. If it be ever so little, if it is only to be a hewer of wood and a drawer of water, do something in this great battle for God and truth. And I said yes and amen. Because we've got to find our place. Get in place. If you're waiting, you, your wait is over. You already told us, no more delay. Didn't you say that? You're going to tell us that some more this weekend, tonight, and tomorrow. There's no more delay. The promises, the prophecies, things that God has spoken, it's time. Now, I want to give you a quick word of warning. This is a pastorly thing. You're supposed to do this kind of stuff. I got wind that, lo and behold, the accuser of the brethren was in our midst. What do you think of that? What's he doing around here? It's almost as if, let me tell you, if a church has nothing going for it, the, the accuser of the brethren probably won't even be found around it. But if a church has a, is a threat to the enemy, then you can expect the accuser of the brethren, right? How many of you know that? If you're not having some warfare, then you might want to check and see, you know, if you are any, of any count for eternity's sake. You know what I mean? If you even think about living godly, you're going to suffer persecution. How many of you know that? You know, that's why the devil says, don't even think about it. No, no, we're not even going to think about it. We're going to walk in it. But you can expect persecution. And so all these things. And, but anyway, what is Revelation chapter 12? I won't go there. I'm going to skip through some things and then spit a little bit and shout a little bit. And then you're going to come and, and uh, just release what God's got all over you. I really believe that God has introduced us to Josh Radford for such a time as this. And by the way, this is his friend Max. He's from Amarillo. Texas. That's where I was born. I hadn't been back there. I need to come visit you. I want to see if that Air Force base is still there. Is it still there? It's close by. It's close by. My dad was in the Air Force. I don't remember much. I was only a year old at that time. So I don't remember. But they told me I was born there. In fact, it says on my birth certificate. But I believe that God is putting things together right now. Some of you wonder, how, how did you end up in Moravian Falls? How did you end up moving here? Are you thinking that kind of stuff? People say that. You know, why am I here? Well, I don't know exactly all why you're here, but I can tell you God has a purpose. He's got a plan. Find your niche. But anyway, back to the accuser. Revelation chapter 12 says, you know, there's a great war in heaven. Remember that war? And then, you know, the angels or the devil and his angels fought against 
Michael, no, Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. I mean, if you remember that. There was a great battle, and there was no longer any place found for them in heaven. So Michael and his angels, or no, they're the ones that won. The devil and his angels were kicked out. The only problem is, is where they were kicked out to. Anybody remember? Yeah, Moravian Falls, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a few demons that run around. You know, we're a threat to them. What was I trying to... Th Boy, the president must be a threat because every demon in hell has aligned itself. Did you see where there's someone going to bring up articles of impeachment? And they, they've accused him of being an anti... What was he? Antiphobic, whatever. No, that's what you are, phobic. You know, homophobe, bigot, hater, abuser of women. I mean, he just went down this list, none of which you can be impeached for. You know what I mean? But anyway, I'm back to the accuser. So anyway, the accuser of the brethren is on the earth. So you can expect that the accuser is going to visit you if you are a threat to the powers of darkness. Now, not only does he come to accuse you, but he will come to accuse others to you. Did you hear that? You got to remember this kind of stuff. He doesn't just accuse you of being no good, low down, rotten, filthy. You know what I mean? He accuses others of being low down, rotten, and filthy, and conniving, and, and he tells you about it so that you'll repeat it down the road. How many of you know? What do you do? What do you do with the accuser? Well, you, you can either agree with the accuser. You can be in agreement, which is the spirit of the Antichrist. That's what it really is. Or you can, you can intercede for the accused. And you can say, well, if you told me that about them, there must something be good about them, so I'm going to intercede for them because they must be a threat to your kingdom. You know what I'm talking about. So anyway, I just caught wind of that, and we probably need to address that from time to time. You're not even supposed to receive an accusation against an elder, and there's a lot of elders around here. You know what I mean? A lot of us are all elders. We're elder, more elder than you. So don't receive any accusations against anybody. You know, except by two or three witnesses and all that kind of stuff. And there's a proper way to do it. But let's just drive the accuser out, okay? Because people tell me that from time to time. I don't hear stuff. I try not to hear stuff. They don't tell me stuff because they think maybe I don't need to hear it. So they talk. They just talk. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, so let's just pray. Father, in Jesus' name. First of all, we repent. How many of you would repent for listening to any accusations? Lord, we repent. We ask you to forgive us. We repent. And Lord, right now, we drive out of this fellowship, out of Moravian Falls, the accuser of the brethren, because you told us how to overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony. Lord, we thank you we're under the blood, the shed blood of Jesus. There is forgiveness, Lord, in Christ. And so, Lord, we just right now, we drive him out by the word of our testimony. We say, no, accuser is welcome here. Go, in Jesus' name, be gone. And we break off the judgments and the words and the curses and all that's been spoken. And God, we ask you, help us to be those that intercede rather than those who join hands with the accuser of the brethren. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, you have to do pastorly stuff from time to time. You ever been a pastor? Have you? You know you have to do that stuff. Well, I'm going to lead up to you, okay? Your requirement. Just be yourself. 
They don't have anything to bring. You don't have anything to do. We have no expectations. We're already in a move of God. It's happening. It's happening. Now I'm going to get, you know, last week was amazing. How many of you were here last Sunday? It was an incredible time. We had no idea as we were wrapping things up what was going on at that very moment in Sunderland Springs, Texas. We had no idea what was happening. I remember looking at the clock last week. It was about 12.25 or so. And that, it was 11.25 there. That was about the exact time. All that stuff was going on. Well, anyway, last, I'm going to try to catch up, say a number of things, and the Lord will make it make sense. Just say, help him, Jesus. Yeah, help me, Jesus. That's where you are in this stuff, you know what I mean? There's no professionals here. We're all. There's only one head. His name is Jesus. He is jealous for his bride. He's jealous for his bride. He's going to have his way in the church. That's why he's shaking everything that can be shaken. So that the only thing that is remaining is that which the gates of hell will not prevail against. You know what I mean? The gates of hell are going to prevail against a whole lot of stuff we thought was in pretty good shape. But God will be the defining, the defining thing in that. Anyway, I asked you last week, how many of you actually read the things I write when we post them on our, we send them out in the newsletter, and most of you didn't raise your hand. So we put something out this week, and I thought, I'm not going to let them get away with this. So anyway... This really struck me because this is what God has been saying to us. And I, we, we sent it out in the newsletter. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Some of you actually read it. That's pretty good. It's called Position Yourself for the Incoming Revival. Position Yourself. And, you know, I, I was thinking this week when I, when I read this from this lady. She is a, uh, one of the teachers in the school of ministry at, in Bethel and Reading. And uh, from, I believe she's from the UK and, and all this stuff. But I was thinking, wouldn't it be tragic if after having received prophecies and promises, being prepared all these years, being positioned for a move of God, that we would end up becoming the greatest persecutors of the move of God? I don't know. That would be pretty tragic to me. Do you know that happens? Usually, the persecutors of the new move of God, or what God's doing today, are those that experienced a previous move of God, and the new thing that God's doing doesn't line up with what they're used to. It doesn't fit their grid, you know what I'm talking about. And we don't want to go there. I saw this this week about pride. P-R, what's the middle letter in pride? I, I's in the center. Now, P-R, I. Really, pride is a PR campaign to exalt I, isn't it? And then, what's the last two letters? D-E, which just happens to be the first two letters of the word destruction. Because pride cometh before what? Destruction. So the enemy comes to try to get us exalted or exalt ourselves. The great big I. Look, fooey on the I. The I needs to go to the cross. You know what I mean? And we can avoid. Pride is going to be a very deceptive, sneaky work of darkness in the last day church. Amen. We should, all, we should be praying every day, God, guard me from pride. God, I humble myself. Now, God can humble you or you can humble yourself. Which would you prefer? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Right? If God humbles you, it's a little bit, do you know what I mean? 
painful. How many of you like pain? I don't like pain. But you know what taking up your cross every day will do to you? It'll kill you. It's painful. Painful to the flesh. So this, but it's part of our walk. So we, we deny ourselves. We take our, our cross and follow. Well, let me get to this. I'll never get to it. Here's what she said. She said, if, if we knew ahead of time that an Azusa Street revival was coming, let's say we were alive in 1906, or if we were alive during the Welsh revival, living in Wales, or the Jesus People Movement, or the Protestant Reformation, or one of the Great Awakenings. You know, how would we have prepared ourselves? How would we have gotten ready? Because, and she emphasized this, and we've spoken over and over, there have been prophecy after prophecy, promise after promise. Men, if, if promises were, you know, if, if worth $100 each, we'd be all millionaires right now. We would have, we've got a boatload of promises that we're standing on, we're believing God for. And uh, so it's going to happen. God is not a man that he should lie. But we must position ourselves. And so here's what she said. Number one, remain open. Remain open. In the 1970s, they were not prepared for the Jesus movement. Did you guys know that there was a revival among, they called it the Jesus movement. It was the hippies and the yippies. And many people in the church called them the yuckies. And they wouldn't receive them. Because they, they didn't meet their cup of tea. You know what I mean? I mean, these people had long hair. They had all kinds of stuff, tattoos. It's like a lot of people today. You know, they got tattoos running all down them. I don't know why. You don't have tattoos on you, David. I hope not. But uh, anyway, it's kind of crazy. But you've got to remain open. And uh, we need to be careful. The Azusa Street Revival began with people speaking in tongues. That was a relatively new phenomenon. And uh, there were many that weren't used to that, and they criticized that move of God, and they missed it altogether. And then she just summed up that point by what we spoke of last week. Remember when Jesus, the, the disciples were in the boat in the midst of a storm, and Jesus was walking on the water, coming to help them. Man, they're in trouble. They're in a storm. And uh, what did they say? They thought he was what? They thought he was a ghost. And what does the Scripture say? He would have passed them by had they not recognized or heard his voice. They were used to his voice, and they recognized him. So number one, stay open. Number two, stay focused. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Not a man and not a woman. How many of you know that? You've got to keep your eyes on him. Now, that's a challenge tomorrow morning when you wake up. Because you're going to face some of the same pains, some of the same headaches, some of the same, you know, not heads that you got to work with. You know what I'm talking about. The people, the same situation, the same bills. Some of you thought you escaped that bill by throwing it in the can. No, you don't ever do anything like that. They just send you another one. You know, this is your second notice and stuff like that. But you, you have to meet the same. Stay focused. Stay focused. Say stay focused. Is this making any sense? I've totally departed from my notes. I may not even get there, so you be ready to go, man. I don't know when God's going to say, hand it to Josh. But I'm glad we're teaming up. Something's happening. We're going to be a part of it. We are a part of it. Say, I'm a part of it. So number two, stay focused. All right, number three, stay full of oil. Stay full of oil. We are living wells. But we, and we want to stay full. 
Be full of the Spirit means to be continually be being filled with the Spirit. How many of you know you're a leaky vessel? We leak. We leak out. Just ask your friends around you. They'll tell you. You leak on them sometimes. That which is not the most pleasant. But they love you anyway, right? They love you. But we need fresh infillings, fresh anointing of the Spirit. And uh, we need today fresh oil. How many of you need an oil change? They have these fancy things. Now, I'm, I'm used to going every three to 4,000 miles. Now they put this synthetic stuff in. They say it gets you 5,000. I don't know if that works or not. But I know whatever the Holy Ghost gives you works. Whatever the Holy Spirit. Some of you are going to get an oil change this morning. We're going to pray for folks around the altar. We're just going to pray God give them an oil change. He'll honor that. He honors the faith of, of just his sons and his daughters. And then invest in family. Remember, as God begins to move in the wind of the Holy Spirit, the most important thing is our relationships with one another. Say, I know that. The kingdom of God is not about some spectacular event. Those things happen. There are flashes that happen. But the kingdom of God is about relationships that are joined together with a common goal. And that common goal is to exalt Him above all else. Amen? So we want to be those who exalt Him. You know, seek His kingdom first. Now, in the church, I guarantee you there are a bunch of folks that are seeking the kingdom first. But wouldn't it be amazing if all of us were seeking His kingdom first? One day, before it's all said and done, it's going to happen. A whole group of people are going to be in agreement that His kingdom is the most important. They're going to seek His kingdom. They're going to come together, and all of heaven's going to break loose in that place. Amen? The kingdom. Well, that's good stuff. And then the last thing she said, choose love. Carrie Judd Montgomery. She was around during the Azusa Street Moved. She was a healing revivalist. She embraced the new experience of speaking in tongues. And, but there were others that she loved that didn't. You know what she did with her friends? She loved them anyway. She just embraced them. One of them was called uh, A.B. Simpson. He didn't speak in tongues. But she maintained her relationships and she began to love. And then the la or she continued to love. And then the last thing that really stuck out to me, because we talk about this... And she said, be ready to shine. Now, a prophecy went forth. I don't know what. Time is flying by now. What was this, 20 years ago? That there would be a move of God of the nameless and the faceless generation. How many of you remember that? Now, I know the intention. I know what God's saying in that. I'm not discrediting that at all. You know, we want him to be the focus. But as she pointed out, in that article that I sent out to you that if you didn't read, I'm reading it to you right now. Listen, God has always used people with faces and used people with names. It's going to happen. It's happened all through history. He used Billy Graham. Does Billy Graham have a face? Does Billy Graham have a name? God bless him. He's 99 years old. What an amazing. He's one of my heroes. And we know I've already shared. I'm not going back there. But we know what's going to happen when he does pass away. Because we have some of those keys. And anyway, you need, I can remind you about that. I shared that back in those days. He's still around, 99. 
I don't know how many more years he can live, but he, that's just God is in mercy, is getting us ready, getting us ready. I talked to a guy this week. He'd had a dream similar to mine. I had a dream where I met Billy Graham. He had a dream where he saw both Oral Roberts and Billy Graham together. And he said they, he was walking into some place and they became like lions. He saw there, there were lions and then he saw their faces. And he said, the Lord spoke to him, that when both of these great giants of the faith pass, there's going to be a great move of God that will sweep the nation, sweep the nations, healing and evangelism. God's getting us ready for this stuff. Now, Oral went on a long time ago. You know, thank God for Oral. How many of you thank God for Oral? What a mighty man of God. Well, the other part of that lion, the giants, is getting ready. So let's just get ready to shine. Because you got a face. You may not like your face, but you can't do anything about it. Be honest. Anybody wish they could change their face? There you know you don't do anything. Just some of you. I saw this week, these people were having a Botox operation. Did y'all see that? And the Botox treatment blew up or something. And it, got, it made their face. They, I don't know what they looked like before their Botox, but after their Botox, they should just go on and... Anyway... Just cash it in. I mean, they were looking bad. I think they were going to sue Mr. Botox there, you know, something like that. But anyway, don't try to change your face. You got the one God gave you. Just wear a blindfold when you're looking in the mirror or something, you know what I mean? So anyway, be ready to shine. Do you hear me? Be ready. Your children are going to shine. Our sons and daughters are going to shine. Our grandmas and grandpas are going to shine. Amen. Get ready. Nameless, faceless. So be it. We can handle this thing. We got to be who God's called us to be. Amen. Well, since I totally departed from all that I was going to say, except some of the stuff, I was going to tell you about the Botox thing because it just caught my attention this week. Botox. Anyway, here's how I'll wrap it up. Last week in Texas, or last Sunday, a week from today, right? Yes. So it's 11.36. It would have been about a little bit earlier. You know, the unthinkable happened. Some of you probably read some of the accounts, some of the stories. Did some of you read some of the stories, the testimonies? Just horrendous. We can't think, God, how could something like this happen? In an American church. God, how? They just went to church. Lord, how does this? And it, it, the story was incredible. And I was thinking about that this week. You know, what do I say? You know, the, the church in America should have an answer to things that are going on. But number one, one thing that's happening, it's being fulfilled what Sadhu Savaraj spoke from this pulpit to the nations back in August. There is a rising persecution against the faith. So we're not going to be caught off guard. Whether it happens in a church, whether it happens as somebody just runs after you while you're mowing your yard like they did for that senator, you know, and just tackled him, broke six of his ribs. Whether, you know, during, at the baseball game when they tried to shoot up some of the congressmen. And also there was a church shooting in Tennessee they didn't tell us about. They didn't even mention that because it didn't fit the political thing and all that kind of stuff. But all there's a rising persecution. What's new? 
You're going to be hated by all for his name's sake. If you're loved by everyone, I can promise you, you've missed it somewhere along the way. You, it should be our goal to be ridiculed. I'll never forget hearing the story. Of, was it D.L. Moody? He was traveling somewhere. And uh, he went one whole day. One whole day. Nobody falsely accused him. Nobody ridiculed, slandered him, called him names that he knew of. And he thought he lost the blessing of God. But God, what happened? Nobody's, nobody called me a blabbering fool and all, you know, whatever, you know what I mean. So anyway, he wanted to go out and spend time with God. God, what happened to the persecution? I've not felt it today. So he goes and he gets and he kneels down behind a bush. Well, somebody rides by on a horse and they hear this man, you know, babbling behind a bush. They pick up a rock and throw it into the bush. They don't know what it is. And they hit, they hit him in the head. And so he, he says, thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you for answering my prayers. Thank you. Listen, we need to be hit in the head every, occasionally. It's all right. We can handle this thing. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So I know that's persecution. I know all of that's coming. How many of you know, say, okay, we just get ready. How do you get ready? Here's how you get ready. This same fellow that had the dream about Oral Roberts and Billy Graham told me that he spent, was it, no, last week, Ann Jimenez called him on the phone. How many of you remember Ann Jimenez? You guys, you young guys, y'all don't know her from Adam. But anyway, there was a big movement on, in Washington, D.C. years ago, right? And she was behind that. And uh, Copeland, all those guys are associated, many. But anyway, she's 84 years old. She had just come back from preaching a crusade in the Fiji Islands. And so she calls my friend who's telling me the story. And uh, she says, I want you to know I got a new revelation while I was in the Fiji Islands. I got a revelation of what it means to be in Christ. In Christ. And if you're in him, if you're in Christ, you're the, in the safest place you will ever be. In Christ Jesus. 84 years old. Brand new revelation. When he's above you, below you, beside you, beneath you, you're in Christ. There's something about being in Christ. I'm telling you, we don't know yet about it. We got to press in for that revelation. God saved her till she's 84. So I know anyway, there's going to be persecution. But you know, another reason that happened, it's just the human heart. The human heart. If you read 2 Timothy chapter 3, in the last days, men will be lovers of themselves and all that stuff. If you read it in the Amplified, it talks about how men will be brutal, callous, inhumane. They will do things that are absolutely, you will not understand. You will not be able to wrap your mind around. And there'll be resistors of truth and all of these things. And so we're living in a day, the heart, guess what? The heart is wicked. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful, right? Deceitful. That means it's polluted. It's crooked. Polluted. When I was in the ninth grade, I'll tell you a quick story. This was the time when they were having great riots in Louisiana. Racial riots. And in the ninth grade, I wasn't doing that well in civics. Now, you don't even know what civics is. I don't even know if they teach civics. Do they teach civics? They still teach civics. Good. Well, I wasn't doing very well. I'm not going to tell you what I was making, but you can imagine. It wasn't, I wasn't doing too good. 
And I was afraid. I was kind of concerned because my dad and mom, you know, you had to make good grades in those days. So anyway, they had a, they had a, a threat that we were going to have riots in the city and they were going to burn the city down. This is when I grew up in high school. We made the national news. We're NBC and all this stuff. So guess what they did at the end of the year? They canceled final exams. And they said, whatever you've made during the year, if it's below, you're going you're to get a C. So I got a C in civics. I got a C. You know, it's like darkness was coming upon my city, but the glory of the Lord was arising. I got, I got out of that stuff. I got, it was a gift from heaven. Anyway, why did I tell you this story? Oh, I know why. I'm in the ninth grade. And in those days, it could be 88 degrees where I lived, and it could snow on a, cl- on a sunny day. Now, it wasn't real snow. We had a paper mill in our city. And the, the school was only, what, eighth of a mile or not even sixteenth. It was just down the road, a couple blocks. And so there would be days, I remember in recess, that it would literally be snowing, white, and it would cover, you know, the hoods of cars. Now, you couldn't bundle it up, you know, like you could a snowball. But we tried, you know, it just it was kind of an ash. Now, that couldn't be good for us to have been breathing that stuff. You know what I mean? I'm thinking back, that probably was... Man, you should have put on a gas mask or something. They didn't tell us. Anyway, it doesn't snow anymore in Bogalusa, Louisiana, like that. They fixed it. They cleaned it up. But you're not going to clean up the human heart except by coming to the blood of Jesus. Polluted. The heart is the most polluted thing on the face of the earth. So he says it's deceitful and desperately wicked. He didn't just say wicked. He said desperately wicked. Anybody know what that means? Incurably sick. There is no cure for the human heart outside of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So America needs another great awakening. Listen, we're not waiting any longer. I told Shirley one morning, it's almost like I was saying, God, you better... You better show up. We're going to have this thing without you, whether you're ready or not. Now, I know that God's not into that kind of stuff. I'm just being real. You know what I'm talking about. I'm just being real with him. God, our country's desperate. Our families are desperate. There are couples that are desperate. Our generation, this, these millennials. Now, we don't have that millennial spirit on our kids. But the millennials are desperate. They're desperate for God. Our college campuses, they're desperate. And so it was out of a desperation. I wasn't in any way, you know, ridiculing God. I'm just crying out, God, you got to come now. We believe. And God, I believe he's doing it. Because he's the only one that can change a human heart. Amen. And he's going to do that today and tonight, tomorrow night. He's going to be doing it. Now, you guys in India, you're going to have a good time. But you're going to hear about stuff going on back here. So just know you're with us in spirit. Okay? You're with us. And we're with you. You know, when we send these people out, there's a part of us going. When you, like they just came back from India. And you guys came to Ukraine. And there's others, Haiti. Man, we go with them. Well, amen. Well, Lord, I thank you for the shed blood of Jesus. God, I thank you for the destiny upon this place, the destiny upon our lives. Lord, the destiny upon our youth. God, I thank you for the calling. I thank you for the gifts. 
God, I thank you for drawing us here. Lord, there are many that wonder how did they get to Moravian Falls, North Carolina. God, I thank you that, that, Lord, they're following the Lamb wherever he goes, that you're drawing your people so that we would be positioned and ready for a time such as this. And Lord, we thank you that though the, the nations will rage and plot vain things, God, we thank you that you, you ever sit in the heaven and you laugh. That God, you rule over and reign over all the affair, affairs of nations. That you are God and there's no other. And Lord, we pray for a fresh conviction of the Holy Spirit that would break out in America and bring conviction because we know the greatest problem it's not going to be fixed by gun control. not going to be fixed by legislation. It's going to be fixed when men turn to Jesus Christ. It's the shed blood of Jesus. So, Lord, we honor you and praise you and thank you for what you're doing. So bless our friend Josh now, God. Use him. Use him mightily, God. We didn't know him two months ago. You've introduced us to him. And he's a man right on time. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome, Josh Radford. All right, go for it. Glory to God. Well, the anointing of heaven's here. I said the anointing of heaven's here. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, one of my great heroes of the faith, obviously, is Billy Graham. But, uh, and let me just say that. I'll give you a prophetic word about Billy Graham right now. When he passes, there will be more saved at his death than his whole lifetime. Mark those words down. There will be such a great outpouring of the Spirit of God. Many people don't know that. Billy Graham, you know, he's, he is a Baptist, but he encountered the fire of God. And, uh, and there will be more saved in his death than in his lifetime combined. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Like I said, one of my great heroes of faith is Reinhard Bonnke. I had the privilege and distinct honor of spending five days with him. And uh, you know who Todd White is? Anybody? Well, it was me and Todd White and a number of other people. And uh, there was about 75 of us. And we got to spend five days with him as he poured out to us. And he knew his time was you know, coming to a close. And now he's in Africa doing his farewell crusade to Africa. He's an older man now, frail in body, but still his voice carries the anointing. And he said yesterday, if we go out as we are without the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the devil does not respect us. And that's what I would say to this generation. If we go out without the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the devil does not respect you. This is the time of the anointing. I said, this is the time of the anointing. This is the time of the anointing. You know, faith comes two ways. Number one, obviously faith comes by the word of God. And number two, faith comes when you exercise your faith. It grows. The same with the anointing. It comes two ways. The first way that it comes, it comes when you saturate under the anointing. When you get yourself in the vicinity of those that are anointed. And you saturate under that anointing of heaven. And then number two, it comes and it grows as you exercise in the anointing.
as you use the anointing. Elijah asked the widow woman, what do you have? She said, I I have nothing apart from a jar of oil. I have nothing apart from one jar of oil. What happened? He said, go start pouring. Get, Get vessels, not a few. Get a bunch of vessels. That's what we are, aren't we? Aren't we vessels of the Holy Spirit? He said, get a bunch of vessels and take that one bottle of oil that you have and start pouring it. And it will never run out. I said, it'll never run out as long as you have a vessel to pour it into. That scripture has been rolling over in my spirit. Keep pouring it out. And as you pour it out, vessels will be filled. As you pour it out, you got to exercise it. You got to move in the anointing. You got to exercise in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You see, I like to say it this way. The anointing is not for everybody. It's only for those that are on a mission that requires it. Some people, they don't have a mission that requires it. Actually, in America, in some churches, they found out how to do church without the anointing. With no presence and no anointing. There is a, chari- there is a charisma and an emotional, soulish counterfeit of the anointing, but there is no anointing. Lord, let the fear of God come back in the church. Let the fear of the Almighty come back in the church. That if we step to preach your word with no anointing, let us tremble. The Lord is looking for men and women that have been with him. That have been under the anointing of heaven. Glory to God. Are you with me here this morning? He is looking for those that have been in the secret place of the Most High under the shadow of the Almighty. Getting endued with power from on high. Jesus said these words, the Master himself, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power to be my witnesses. Power. What is that? Firepower. Deutimus. Firepower. That's the firepower of the Holy Spirit. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The supernatural firepower of God to get the job done on the earth. Lord, anoint us again. Anoint your people for the works ahead. Anoint them with this supernatural anointing of heaven. You know, say, well... I I am anointed. Yeah, you have an anointing within. That's when you get saved. That's how you live. But there's this anointing that comes upon. I said there's an anointing that comes upon for specific tasks. For specific things. But the reason why the church is not anointed or many in the church are not anointed in many congregations there's no anointing is because they're not doing the works of Jesus it always surprises me 
how excited the seeker church gets when they have to respond to a humanitarian crisis. Everybody gets excited. We need to feed the poor, give to the hungry, reach out to the needs. But the lukewarm church, they get excited. Oh my goodness, let's raise all this money for the humanitarian. Let's, let's do this and teams and everybody and they're, oh, it's incredible. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying that I have observed this. But the church is not the Red Cross. John, William Booth, his organization now that he founded has become just a humanitarian organization. But that's not the church. The church, we want to help people. But the church is an anointed army that can deliver people from the bonds of the enemy. There's spiritual wickedness in the land, just like this pastor. But, but we don't need another humanitarian organization. We need men and women. We need the whole body to be mobilized in the power of the Holy Spirit. We need somebody to be able to speak to storms. We need somebody to be able to raise the dead. We need somebody to be able to cleanse the leper. Are you with me here today? We need somebody that is going to speak to the sick and bring healing to their lives. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Say this with me. Say, anoint me, Lord. Anoint me, Lord. Anoint me, Lord. Anoint me, Lord. Come on, anoint me, Lord. Anoint me. I'm here to receive the anointing. I'm here to receive the unction of heaven. I'm not here just to sit around, but I'm here to be anointed. Glory to God. Every member of the body mobilized by the anointing of heaven. So, man, preacher, you're a little bit loud. Well, it's time somebody gets loud. It's time there's a clarion call. It's time the alarm is sound. It's time the trumpet is blown in Zion. Glory to God. An unpreached gospel is no gospel at all. You must be a proclaimer. Give us a loud voice in these end times. Give us a loud voice. Glory to God. Give us a loud voice. You know, I'm quiet by nature, but under the anointing, I'm loud. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That's not my personality. You probably need a personality change. Glory to God. It's time for you to get activated. Glory to God. It's time for you to get activated. Time the body gets activated by the anointing of heaven. And, and, and cities are changed. And regions are shaken by the glory of God. It only takes one man, one woman, full of the Holy Ghost to shake a whole nation. Imagine what can be done with everybody in this room today. Oh my. Hallelujah. The nations of the world shall be shaken by the people in this room. Glory to God. 
Imagine the firepower. There was only 120 on the day of Pentecost and all Jerusalem shook under the hand of God. Imagine the firepower that is contained in this room this morning. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hey, hey, hey. I feel a run coming. Listen, God's firing the starting pistol and it's time to take off. Glory to God. It's time to... The less Holy Ghost the church has, the more cake and coffee it needs. That's not my original quote. That's Reinhard Bonnke. Glory to God, but it's a good one. Hey! Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. The church is addicted to coffee. It's addicted to all these things. It's a lazy group, but I'm here to shout glory to God. I'm here to sound the alarm in Zion. It's time to come up. Glory. It's time to come up hither. Come up where he is. Glory to God. Let the fire of the Holy Ghost get on our rear ends. Glory to God. And we're going to run like the foxes ran. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Remember the fox's tails? How they lit them? Don't matter what type of fox you are, you're going to run. <laughs> Hallelujah. You might be an old fox. You might be a little fox. You might be whatever. You might be, you, you, you might be a lame fox. But when that fire is lit to your tail, you're going to run. 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 Hey, glory to God, you're You're going to run in the name of Jesus. It's time the fire of God was invited back into the church again. It's time, Lord, that we had holy altars, glory to God, that are full of the fire. Hallelujah. I'm stirred up. I'm stirred up. I've been preaching since last Saturday. We flew in the night flight here. Glory to God. There, there, there are generals in this room. Glory to God. I said there are generals in this room. Can you give me one minute? Can I tell a story about generals? Hallelujah. And then we'll pray for people. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Who's going to be back tonight? I'm going to preach on the anointing. Who's going to be back tonight? Okay. Glory to God. Then I'll be here then. That's enough. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Save some for the rest of us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I was with Dr. Billy Brim. Do you know who Billy Brim is, Sister Billy? I was with her on Prayer Mountain in the Ozarks, that is. And I'd come into a room, and she, I was at a conference with her. And she, you know, I met her before, and she knew that I was associated with Dr. Rodney Howe Brown and so forth. And she knew that I, she kind of knew a little bit of history about my life and I was in that conference and but I'd never really met her in detail before I never never spent any quality time with her but she came to me and in the kind of break of the conference 
She came up and said, would you, next session, would you come up and testify? I said, okay. I, I, you know, I was around these generals. There was other generals. That it was, a, it was a, a conference on the Holy Spirit and his gifts. And uh, this was many years ago, not just recently, many years ago. And so I got up there. She called me up there to testify. And as I got up there to testify, I could feel the anointing of heaven. And she started to speak before me. And I just stood there. And, you know, Sister Billy then was about 75. And the men behind me were in their mid-70s, even, I think, maybe 80s. And nearly the whole crowd was generals. You know, just older men and women. I was in my... 30s at that time. Today I'm 47. I'm still a very young man. Very young, very young. Especially if you're going to live to 120. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I feel the anointing of heaven all over me right now. Hey, Shikamo. Now I've spoken. I spoke to the youth last night. We had a great time in the in the spirit of God. Spoke on having an encounter with God. And I've spoken to thousands of young people. And, you know, thousands. I, can't, I don't want to give you testimonies, but thousands of young people. They don't invite me back to all the youth conference now. It's too, I, I think I got too much revival on me. Hallelujah. I always said that young people, they're not looking for somebody who's going to be trendy. They're looking for somebody who's going to deliver them. Because if a 47-year-old is trying to be trendy, that's called cheesy. <laughs> Glory to God. It's not going to work, is it? So I better come with an anointing that's going to deliver. Hallelujah. I feel the anointing of heaven all over me. Hallelujah, Lord. So she was talking and I was going to testify. And I really didn't know what I was going to say. Because the anointing was so strong. And these generals behind me, I really felt kind of out of place. And, but all of a sudden, the word of the Lord came to me. I could feel it come up. Have you ever felt that? Just come rise up in your belly. And that word of the Lord was in my belly. And it came up, it started to come up. And she looked at me, Sister Billy looked at me, and I nodded. I said, I have the word of the Lord. And I grabbed the microphone and I said, two rivers are going to come together, the elder and the younger. And I said, and when these two rivers come, oh, I feel the anointing of heaven on me. When these two rivers come together, there's going to be a flood of the glory of God in the church. When the elder and the younger come together in unity, there's going to be a flood of the glory of God in the house of God. And as I said these words, the wave of the glory of God came into the house. It hit me about 10 feet backwards. And you know, I get to speak to a lot of young people. But this next wave of revival is not going to be a youth revival. Just like it's not going to be nameless and faceless. We already know that. Because God always uses somebody. Amen. Amen. The greatest way for a move of God to go goofy, if you don't have a leader. I'll throw that in for free. 
Hallelujah. God uses somebody. He used Brother Wigglesworth, didn't he? He used Brother Hagen, didn't he? He, 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 he? he used Brother Steve Hill, didn't he? He used Dr. Rodney, didn't he? Oh, he used him. And he's using them even more now. Actually, if those that were in, who were in some of the early 90 meetings of Brother Rodney's? Dr. Just a few. The anointings increased a hundredfold. I was just with him in Tulsa. But like I said, I'm with a lot of young people. And, and it's not going to be a revival of just youth. No army has ever won anything without having some generals make out the plans. Glory to God. The youth, they're going to be the face. They're going to be in the, on the front lines because that's what young people do. They get on the front lines. They volunteer to do things that nobody else is going to do. Are you with me? And God's going to use them like that. But there's going to be generals making plans, receiving strategy from heaven. And there will be a mighty flood in the body of Christ. There'll be a mighty flood of this glory. The generations are coming together. And when they come together, it'll break open a whole new wave. And I remember that day just like it was yesterday. And after I kind of came to a little bit, Sister Billy kind of waved at me. Have you ever been in communication with people when the Holy Spirit is moving and you don't need to use words? She just kind of waved at me. She did this. And I knew that she wanted to lay hands on me. And so I moved and I stepped down. It's kind of a step like this. I st as soon as I stepped down, I lost all feeling in my whole body. And I turned around. And I, I, all I remember is stepping down and turning around. And then electricity went through me. I don't know how long I was there, but I know that I was, I was laying on top of the usher. There was an usher there, but I was laying on top of him. He was also shaking underneath me in the anointing. Hallelujah. On that floor that day, God imparted, imparted to me an anointing to bring the generations together. The Lord told me I'll be a conduit between both generations, bringing them together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Today, both generations are coming together in this place. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I said both generations are coming together in this place. Hallelujah. That usher was a senior pastor. After the meeting, he booked me to come to his church. He said, you don't know me, but I was underneath you. I got hit by the anointing. I want you now. You need to come and preach in my church. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Mambarashata. If I could have a musician, please. A minstrel. You can get on their lyre or harp or whatever. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. In the anointing. Anointed. Anointed. Acts 10, 38. How God anointed. Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. He went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil.
There are people that need healing in here today. All sickness comes from the devil. Hallelujah. Doesn't mean you're possessed by the devil. It just comes from him. Because I've been sick before. I know I'm not possessed by the devil. Hallelujah. I've had pain in my body before. There's somebody in this room, you've got pain on the right side of your body right now. But in the anointing, it's moving off you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Before I pray for anybody else, I want to pray for the sick. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I remember the time with Brother Reinhard. He taught us about miracle working. Working of miracles. I remember the weekend. I was there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I flew out to my next church on Saturday. And I started preaching Saturday night. Power of God broke out. I remember a man with two pulled Achilles tendons. You can't walk in that situation. But the anointing hit him and he started jumping and running. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I remember in one meeting in Topeka, Kansas, we had three notable miracles in one service. First miracle was I grabbed a man. I didn't know who he was, but I went to the front run. I filled the anointing. I, I just grabbed him. I bear hugged him. Power God hit him. He went down to the floor when he got up. I said, what happened to you? He said, I've been in severe pain all over my body for 40 years. But when you grabbed me, that pain left my... I feel the anointing just right there. When I grabbed you, that pain... When you grabbed me, that pain left my body and I'm totally free. If that wasn't the kicker, the next person came up. I said, who are you? Whatever he told me the name. I said, what's wrong with you? He said, I'm blind in my right eye. Since birth. I said, see in Jesus' name. His eye popped open immediately. If that wasn't enough, the next person to come up, and you were there, Max. You can tell, I'm telling this, I'm not exaggerating any of this. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus. The power of Jesus is present to heal. The next young girl, about 16 years old, came up. She had a curved spine. Kind of bent a little bit. As I laid my hand, did you have her hand on did you have your hand on her back? Your son. And as I laid my hand, you could sit, her back started to straighten out immediately. And she grew taller. She was as tall as me, but when I laid my hands upon her, she shot up about two or three inches. Right in front of everybody. I like to say this when I'm praying for the sake, keep your eyes open. Glory to God. Take it, sister. Might as well just let it loose. Yeah, Muhammad. Just don't hold it in. Glory to God. 
church. Don't lay hands on me. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We're going to have a great meeting tonight and tomorrow. Oh, my. Come with, come with your wheelbarrows. Why is that? We might need them for the offering, and we might need them to wheel people out. I've had people get so drunk in the Holy Spirit, they had to bring wheelchairs into the meeting to get them out of the meeting. That's something different. You're the brother that brings wheelchairs into the meeting. Yeah, we need some sometimes. And if you drove here on your own, does the church have a bus? Have a van? Okay. Glory to God. If we just can't get you unstuck from the floor, we'll shove you in the church van and drop you at your house. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory. I feel the anointing of heaven on me today. Somebody's leaving this place anointed, full of the fire of God, healed in their body, delivered from everything, glory to God, and ready to do the works of God in the land. There's an army rising. I said there's an army rising, glory to God. Hallelujah.